Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellotta of singleinthecity.ca, your host today. And today's episode is about empowering parents who may be dealing with a deadbeat ex. Today we're going to learn about the options you have, your legal rights, and how to deal with the emotional and physical consequences of double duty parenting. Joining me today, we have a brave soul. Her name is Nikki, and she's from Nikki Monique Wellness Fitness. She's a well-fit uh, specialist who specializes in holistic health, alternative and movement therapies such as hypnotherapy, Reiki, yoga therapy, and fitness. She's also a woman who deals with a narcissistic and mentally abusive ex who is also a deadbeat dad. This has been going on for several years now, about 14 to be exact, uh, because she has a 14-year-old son who also struggles with epilepsy. We're going to hear her story soon. Also joining us is show regular family lawyer and divorce coach Leanne Townsend. Hello. Hi, welcome ladies to the show. Nikki, thank you so much for being here today. You're going to share your story. So tell us a little bit about what's been going on with you. Uh, First of all, thank you, Laura, for having me here. Of course. And nice to meet you, Leanne. Nice to meet you. Um, Long story short, yeah, you basically summed it up. I've been over 10 years, um, been in in a past financially abusive relationship that has affected myself and my son, who I love very much. And, um, because of the area of where we live in Canada compared to where he lives in the States, it's a bit of a challenge to be able to fight for my son's rights for legal support and to be able to um, Are the laws him. different? Yes, very much so. Okay. And um, yeah, basically dealing with a lot of the mental, emotional, and most importantly, financial abuse that my son and I have unfortunately had to endure over the past decade. And you mentioned that he is a narcissist. Yes. <laughs> so what are the signs that a narcissist exhibits from your standpoint? Um, well, I guess in a way, this is something that ends up happening with with people that sometimes we're attracted to somebody who has this sense of uh, pride for themselves. You know, they always seem to be want and admiration from An others. Entitlement. Definitely and entitlement. And very much because she was married to a, a narcissist as well. So, yes, I was. Yes, continue. Sorry, yeah, they, they have, you know, they have an ego that obviously shines. They're very charming, though, like sadly like a snake. But the thing is, sadly, it depends on where you are in your life. When you end up being attracted to this type of person, you see all the good qualities. You don't realize that those good qualities really aren't that good. They're actually quite bad. And you could fall into a trap. Um, he's very competitive. He likes to have everything about him and not me. And I didn't realize that until we were already in a three-year relationship. And that's when... It, it be- took three years yeah, for those was, signs to show up? He was a very much of a charmer. I mean, sad to say, love is blind. And it really was. He flew me out. He's a rock musician. So he flew me out every month for the first year while we were dating. Second year, I was on tour with him for six months. And I know I've been trying to... Ever <laughs> since I've met you, Nikki, years ago, I've been trying to find out who it is. And you won't <laughs> tell me. Who is this rock musician? <laughs> Anyways, but that's not important right now. And Leanne, you've had... Uh, also 
um, you've dealt with a, a narcissist as well. I have, and I have a lot of clients that are coming out of that type of relationship as well. And, um, you know, the, the narcissist needs the, the adulation. And so being a rock star is the perfect career uh, for someone who's a narcissist. But in, And they need to almost have it at the expense of their, their partner by putting the partner down, making the partner feel less than so that they can feel that they're so great and uh, so wonderful. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think? What's what's the mindset that a struggling single mother might need to develop in order to leave this narcissistic and abusive relationship? She needs to, to feel empowered. I mean, the problem when you're in an abusive relationship is that you don't feel any power. You feel powerless. And the abuser um, likes to keep you feeling that way. So if you're married or in a relationship with someone who's a narcissist, um, the first thing I think you need to do is reach out and talk to you know family, friends, other people, because they'll, they'll you know make you realize you're not crazy for feeling the way you do. And they can perhaps give you some support to take the next steps uh, to leave them and get the legal ball rolling and whatever other actions you need to take. That's good advice. So Nikki, what toll has this taken on your life? This, uh, in, this Just the whole thing, what's been going on, especially with him not paying any child support or minimal payments. Well, considering that this relationship I had uh, with my ex-boyfriend was over obviously 16, 17 years ago, my son being 14 now, um, you know, at that time, you know, it's true. I had to actually find that sense of empowerment in myself when I actually finally said, you know what, enough is enough. I have to leave after three years of being with him when I realized I couldn't pursue my career at that point. Came did you back live to, in the States for three yes. years? Yeah. Oh, and and I came back to Canada. And when I found out I was unexpectedly pregnant, I had told him then and he had asked to, for me to actually not asked. He actually told me to have an abortion. And because I refused and I didn't tell him anything else after that, I said, I'm dead to you as well. It took a few years until I heard there was another child that was born um, from another mother who lived in this, who lives in California as well. And it wasn't until the third mother that I heard about with a third wow. child. That's when I realized I have to do something about this because my son and I are the ones that are neglected and he denies who we are. And but he neglects all three. Not really. The other two, he actually sees them because those mothers, they have joint custody with him. He insisted on that for the the children to carry his name. But could it be because you moved back to Canada and that's maybe why he doesn't really have a relationship with your son currently? That, but it's because I broke up with him. And heaven forbid, if you break up with a narcissist, they will do everything they can to be vindictive against you and put you down. And this is what his role is. I mean, if you can imagine that three years ago, after 10 years of not seeing him, that's when I saw him face to face for the first time when I took him to court in California because the Canadian law unfortunately wasn't able to help me. When I took him to court and actually started an international child support court case, that's when he saw me and he said to me, I never thought you would give up your career in order to fight me. He goes, ha ha. And he goes, we'll see how far this can go. And I had to live on welfare during that time because that's the only way I can get free legal service is for me to be living on welfare in Canada. And he made me suffer. He was laughing at it constantly, made me suffer for it. He knew I would never make neglect my son, so everything I did was for my son. But he knew that I would have to give up my career, my personal love life, everything. What a jerk. We need to take a break. When we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, we're going to talk about the legal consequences of failing to pay child support. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, we are empowering parents that are dealing with a deadbeat ex that won't pay up with family lawyer and show regular Leanne Townsend and Nikki Monique, a struggling mom who has been dealing with a deadbeat ex for many years now and is it's completely taken a toll on her life and livelihood. And Nikki, I want to ask you now, um, what did you do when your ex failed to help out or pay child support? Um, for, during the 10 years, I, you know, made contact with him through emails, tried calling him, um, you know, at the same house that we had lived at uh, before in California. He was still living there, so he had changed his phone numbers, changed his cell. He blocked me from his emails. Um, I even sent a package, though, to technically my son's half-sibling once I found out that this um, there was another child, which technically is my son's half-sister. So I did everything I could to have contact with that mother, and he blocked everything, rescinded, returned to sender. He wanted nothing to do with us because out of sight, out of mind for him, and that he didn't have to actually have any commitment or you know, um, paternal duties towards my son. So I want to be politically correct here. A deadbeat parent is a parent of any gender who does not fulfill their parental responsibilities, especially when they evade court-ordered child support obligations or custody arrangements. So how does that work, Leanne? What factors determine who pays and the amount of child support uh, that any type of parent needs to pay in Canada? Or in the States, for that matter, uh, well, if you know. I don't. Uh, that's what I want to preface everything I'm about to say is that I'm um, a lawyer here in Ontario, so I'm only licensed to practice and only knowledgeable about the law in Ontario. Okay. So certain things about Nikki's situation, I may not be able to to comment on. But here in, in, in Ontario and certainly across Canada, there are federal child support guidelines that have been put out by the federal government that take into account how many children uh, a couple has and what the respective incomes are of the parties. And there's a very formulaic method to calculating child support in most situations. The guidelines are used for um, couples where there's somebody who the children primarily live with. So if if a child is living with um, one of the parents more than 60% of the time, then um, the usual situation is the other parent would be paying some amount of child child support, and it's based on their income. When you get into a situation where the living arrangement is split, um, so it's 50-50 or 60-40 or somewhere you know in that range, um, then the strict appliance of the guidelines doesn't happen, and there's a slightly different formula that's used that takes into account both incomes, so the, the income of the mom, the income of the dad, and then there's, a, in a sense, an equalization, although that's not the right word to use necessarily, but between their incomes, because the idea is that the children should have the same or similar standard of living between homes. And what steps can a single parent do in order to fight for the rights of their children to get legal support? Um, well, in Ontario, there's something called the Family Responsibility Office, and it's their job to enforce child support orders. But in order, and they're called, their short name is FRO. And in order to get FRO involved in your case, um, you need to have either a court order, you need to have a separation agreement that has been filed with the court. Um, And in those situations, um, FRO can get involved and they have a number of things they can do to go after the payer for money. Um, including garnishing wages, including um, taking money from bank accounts, RRSPs. They can suspend driver's licenses, suspend passports. 
Um, and even if if it goes really far, they can have a default hearing and actually um, a payer can be jailed for up to 180 days oh, for like not paying child support. But it does. I, I personally haven't seen that happen a lot, but it, it, it does happen. Um, and so there's a bunch of remedies available. But Nikki, in your case, did any of this happen? No. <clears throat> um, what happened in the States, so it's very different where um, – you know, he didn't pay for over 10 years, and there was nothing that I could do about it. I had hired a Canadian lawyer uh, over, I guess it would have been 15, no, sorry, 12 years ago, and after three months, so I spent five grand, the Canadian and American, you know, lawyers, they talked, and nothing actually was resolved. It wasn't until I went on welfare in Canada three years ago that when I started this case that the California Child Support Department took my case because I did not have a retainer for an American lawyer. So therefore, fighting for the rights of a dual citizen child, regardless if he was born in Canada or in the States, if he has a dual parent, meaning one in the States and one in Canada, then that's how they were able to take my case as long as I was living in, on welfare during that time. During those three years that I did receive welfare, and I would, and I'm saying did because as of last month, I no longer am so anymore. So you were forced to go on welfare, pretty yes. much. Yes, I was forced to commit professional suicide. At that time, I was working as a Montessori teacher, thinking about owning my own business one day of health and wellness, and I had to go on unemployment and then go on welfare. So I had to mentally prepare myself what I was going to actually have to endure during that those year, two years, and unfortunately, it lasted three years. So Leanne, what if a parent refuses to pay child support despite having the money? What legal action can you take against them if... Can you? You can. I mean, okay. again, it comes back to um, FRO with a family responsibility office. So if you have a court order or you have a separation agreement that's been filed with the court, um, you can take that uh, or f well, FRO will be in possession of it and they will go after the payer uh, for money and they have all of the remedies that I just mentioned. What ends up being a difficulty, though, is when someone, for example, is self-employed or they work under the table a lot. So they are making money, but it's much more difficult to track. It's, it's easy if someone, you know, works for a bank and gets a regular paycheck and, you know, Fro can go in and have their wages garnished and that's very straightforward. But if they, you know, work under the table or, as you say, have their own business where they can hide income more easily, then it becomes a challenge. Nikki, we're going to come oh. back to this because sure. I do want to talk about this because I know a lot of cases of that happening actually to this day. When we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, don't go anywhere. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. What an interesting show today. I'm sure we are helping a lot of people by giving them the information they need to stand up for the rights of their children and for themselves when it comes to dealing with a deadbeat ex. I'm Laura Bellotta. This is the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And joining me today is Nikki. She's a mom that deals with a deadbeat ex. She's been fighting for her rights rights for years and seems to be getting nowhere with the system. Show regular Leanne Townsend is also here. She's a family lawyer and she's going to be giving us some information on your legal rights as a parent dealing with a deadbeat ex. Before the break, we were talking about uh, what if a deadbeat parent doesn't have a job or works under the table or gets their money elsewhere, you know, uh, what can we do about that? And I think Leanne explained it a little bit but we're going to continue with that conversation and now Nikki 
was saying something before the break. I had to cut her off. Sorry about that. It's okay. Continue, please. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Leanne. Exactly what's happened is that, you know, if somebody is self-employed, they can actually hide their money. And unfortunately, this has happened three years ago when uh, with my rock star musician ex-boyfriend because he was touring and then he decided not to tour. So then, therefore, he had money in order to finally pay child support. Well, now he surprised me as of this year, 2019, with court documents last month for me to go to California to fight against for the rights of child support because he's claimed now he didn't make any money last year, even though there is proof that he was on tour with his own group that he produces. He has his second album of another group, and yet, though, he has, makes no yeah, money anymore. It just gets me. Like, I can understand maybe years later, you don't want to pay alimony to your wife anymore. I get that, right? But... Really, they're your children. Why do you want to get out of that? Like, why do you not want to support your own flesh and blood? I don't understand that. I think it's a cop-out and it's disgusting, actually. And Leanne, you said that they're able, if they have their own business, because I know of a lot of, I've heard a lot of cases, you know, growing up and stuff where guys would work construction, they work under the table, so they didn't have to pay their ex anything, or they didn't have to support the children. But now you're saying that they can actually fudge the numbers if they have their own business. How does that work? Well, I mean, it's, it's illegal, but, you know, I mean, you hear people committing income tax fraud all the time, even, or people who have their own businesses who, um, you know, can play around. They're not reporting any income, but clearly they must have an income because they're not on welfare. They're living, you know, sometimes a very nice lifestyle. So, um, you know, there's ways of, of legally and illegally, I suppose, you know, fudging the numbers. Um, but when you're dealing with a family law case where someone, say, does have their own business and they're not paying child support or they're under-reporting income, what can happen um, with when you get the lawyers and the courts involved is the person has to start producing uh, bank statements and, you know, credit card statements or things like that. So if you're seeing money that's, you know, in a bank account and you're like, well, where did that come from? Um, they're going to have to account for it. Now, it's a different story if they're, you know, stuffing it under their bed or they have a bank account that they're not reporting. So you don't know that that bank account is in existence. Um, you know, it's just it, the trickier someone wants to be, the more difficult it's going to be to find the money. And unfortunately, often the more expensive it's going to be for the person who has hired a lawyer or forensic accountants or whatever people they might need to try and figure out where money's going. Now, if alimony is already set by the court, you can go back to court, right? If you ex suspect that your ex is making more money? Um, it, How does that work? Then? It's, well, it's a variation. So if there's here in Ontario, we call it a material change in circumstance. So if there's something that constitutes a material change in circumstance, so a, a substantial increase in income would fall into that category. But does this happen for child support or alimony as well? Um, it can happen for both. Are you serious? It can, yes. So you're divorced from somebody and you're 10 years later, your ex can come back and say, well, he makes more money, so now I want more alimony. You know, if you were married 30 years and you were in that and you gave up your job and you raised children, maybe in that situation you could. It, it wouldn't be as common if you were married 10 years. I'm not talking to support your children, but I'm talking about supporting your ex. I just think that it's, it's way uh, left side. Well, in 2019, too, I think with the high divorce rate and breakup rate, rate, you know, there's an obligation for people, and certainly the courts recognize, to, to become self-supporting and support yourself. But theoretically, if you have, um, sometimes someone has spousal support that has no termination date, so they could go back and try and change the order at some point 10 years down the road. And do they stand a chance? 
Really? It, well, it really depends on the circumstances. So I can't, you know, well, I can't really comment. What kind of circumstances, though? Um, you know, if they really gave up a lot in the marriage, like say they, you know, they stayed home, raised children, never worked. They were married 30 years and they're now 70 years old. And for some reason, the other spouse is suddenly starting to make big money at, you know, in that age bracket, then maybe in that kind of situation. Well, what, if, um, what if your ex has moved on and has a new life? Well, again, it's all very situation yeah. specific. Okay. All right, then. <laughs> In your experience, though, what are the most common reasons that the deadbeat parent refuses to comply with court-ordered support if they, if they have the means? I mean, I would say the number one reason that I see is out of anger towards the ex. It's like they're they're somehow thinking the ex well, is benefiting. Well, don't take it out on the children. Well, in certain cases, too, where, um, and I'm using um, the man as the payor in this example, it could be reversed. Um, you know, if the man is making a lot of money, for example, like say he's making $20 million a year. Okay, well, um, He might say that what he has to pay in child support, there's no way that the, the ex-wife is not benefiting fitting, you know, from that money. Um, right. It's and not that just makes all going sense. to children. Of course. Yeah. So that's a, like, that's a situation where you, they think that the, the ex is somehow using the money for themselves. And in that case, they'll buy the kids clothes and the, their necessities and stuff. But yeah. they, they won't want to give up the money. In, in some cases, yeah, because they just feel like there's no way all of that would be going towards regular types of care that a child needs. It would definitely be beyond that. Okay, but I don't think we're talking about the people that make $20 million a year today <laughs> on the Dating and Relationship Show. Don't go anywhere. We're talking about what women can do when they, oh, not just necessarily women, but what people can do when they have a deadbeat ex on the Dating and Relationship Show. We'll be back. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're tuned into the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta. Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, we are empowering parents that are dealing with a deadbeat ex that won't pay up with family lawyer and show regular Leanne Townsend and Nikki. She's a struggling mom who has been dealing with a deadbeat ex for, for many years now. And, um, this has really taken a toll on her life, and I'm very sorry to hear all that, and I'm really happy that you're here today and you're able to tell your story. Thank you. Y'all, don't cry. No, no. I know. <laughs> You've been very emotional today, and I'm, I'm sorry, but this is good for you. It's good to, to get it out, and, and I'm happy to be able to help you with that today. Oh, thank you, yes. I mean, it's important to know that people hear, especially to both sides of the story, I mean, you know, there's a lot of moms out there that sadly do give up their maternal duties as a mother and, you know, give their children up to their exes to take care of. But sadly to say, predominantly, it's mostly men. Men are the ones that, you know, want their careers. They don't carry the child with them. And they just feel that it's the mother's duty to be responsible. And the sad part is, when they want the mother to sacrifice their own personal life or professional life, they think that's acceptable. And in my particular case, it truly is. I mean, in 10 years, to think of one man having three different mothers with three different children in a span of 10 years, you can tell it's not us. <laughs> it's obviously not. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, he he's taking myself, plus the other two mo women as well in California right now. In the past couple of months, he just started this in January. And his goal, as he's mentioned in court just last month, is... He does not want to pay anymore because he feels he's been paying too much. And now that he's supposedly not making any money, now it's our responsibility to 
take over and pay for the child. And I brought a very important statistic, which I think is very valuable for this show as well, that it costs over $240,000 to raise a child from the ages of zero to 17 years of age. And in the state, so... I would have thought it was more. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But the thing is, they actually break it down to $14,000 a year for a child. Is that, the fo- is that the child that doesn't get the iPhone? And the, like, <laughs> this is basic needs, yeah. The, the Nike sneakers yeah. and all the best of the best? Basic needs. And the thing is, $14,000, when you think of four, uh, sorry, 12 months in a year, it's not that much money. But the fact is that if a parent can fight for that and say, no, I don't want to pay that, and especially in my case, we're now... You know, he's fought, fought to say he can only pay $10 a month. It means that $13,000 a month. Yep. $13,990 I now have to pay for my child, which I raise full time by myself. Plus, try to balance a career, plus, go to school and all these different other things. You can only do so much. Leanne, what are some other reasons that the deadbeat parent refuses to comply? with court-ordered support? Well, I think sometimes they're just, they're not a good parent. I mean, it's as simple as that. They're just not a good person They're just not, exactly. Like, you know, And they should never have had kids, right? Exactly. And, you know, and that's maybe an example, too, of a situation where a child was maybe born, and it was an accident, it wasn't a planned pregnancy. Is that kind of what happened to you, Nikki? I was actually on birth birth control pills, and I didn't even know I was pregnant until I came back to Canada. I was ready to actually sell my condo, go back to L.A. because I had a contract for a TV show, and found out when I did my ultrasound um, when they they said I was 12 weeks pregnant already and I had no signs of pregnancy so it was a complete shock Um, you know when I told him he said I love you still come back but abort the baby I don't want to be a dad it's going to ruin my rock star life and when I did not do that then therefore he punished me and he said you will never be successful and that was the last words he said to me before I left and I think that that's a common thing where a child was born and, you know, one of the people or both of the people didn't want the child maybe um, and it wasn't planned. And so they now feel like they're trapped or they accuse you know, the woman of deliberately getting pregnant to try and entrap them into, you know, a lifestyle and money. Um, you know, that goes on as well. So how do you respond to an ex who reasons that they won't pay child support because they don't see their child enough or uh, they don't want to be involved in their child's life? Well, you created a child, you have a responsibility and a child is both parents' responsibility and, you know, it's time to be an adult. That's you, you, The child didn't ask to be born and you're responsible whether you planned it, didn't plan it. If you're having sex, or not. Exactly. you have to be responsible. Yeah. Even if the other person deliberately got pregnant on you, if the woman, you know, you, you know what, you were having sex, so you're, you're be an adult and uh, take your, you know, step up to your responsibilities. Thank you for that. Are you listening at home? (laughs) Are there any ways for exes to resolve this in a healthy way? Like, are there any resources that they can use to separate their anger anger towards each other? Um, Well, I mean, definitely um, it's always better if they can resolve it themselves without having to to go to court. And, you know, if if someone legitimately is going through a rough time and having a harder time paying, then, you know, you can work with that. Come up with a payment schedule, negotiate something that's reasonable, that maybe isn't what the original plan was, but... You know, it's something because it's better to get something than nothing. Um, but if they're completely playing games and being and lying and being misleading, then you're really stuck and going to court is the best uh, way to go. Nikki, 
you have experience with this. Could you have possibly negotiated with your ex? Oh, I did. I've tried to. I mean, the first but time he I took him to court, right? No, the first time I exactly. took him to court, though, I mean, you know, he even actually put it to the level that he didn't still neglected my son by saying that's not his son until we had to actually go do a swab test in California in order to prove through DNA that obviously his son was his son. And of of course, he flipped over and he said, "Oh my goodness, I've always known it was you." And he basically you know, change his mind process and all of a sudden opened his arms and said, yes, I love my son, my firstborn child. And it was like, are you kidding me? You've had 10 years to do this. Does he have a relationship currently with your son? At this moment now, no anymore because of the fact that when I came back from court, that uh, unfortunately things have changed now. We need to take a break. We'll be right back. You're tuned into the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We're talking about child support today. Don't go anywhere. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We are talking about dealing with a deadbeat ex right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca. Joining me today is family lawyer, and she's also a show regular. I haven't seen her in a while. Leanne Townsend. You look fantastic, by the way. Oh, thank you. So I watch you. your Instagram, your Facebook, and she's like, every morning, she's like, oh, exercising hard. Well, I, you still look <laughs> like, much God better in a bikini I'm than like, I do. God bless you. <laughs> How can you do that every day? Anyways, she's here, and Nikki Monique is also here. She's a struggling mom who's been dealing with a deadbeat expert for many years. Thank you, everybody, for being on the show. Thank you. I want to talk about child support collection agencies. There's such a thing. I think, well, wait, you mentioned it earlier, Leanne. Fro. Uh, yeah, Family Responsibility Office. That's here for Ontario. Okay. And Nikki, how about in the States? Um, for California, for example, it's the Child Support Department that ends up helping to advocate for the rights for the children. Okay. And you, uh, we were on break, and you were mentioning something about the ex getting his license taken away. Or... So yeah, so what happens? For example, we don't in the states they don't have a fro kind of idea. So what happens, especially with self-employed, in my particular case, is that they can go into the, his bank account and you know take money out if there is a missed payment. Um, the states, unfortunately, I know here in Canada you have a certain day you have to pay per month on that particular day. In the states, the parent has to actually have 30 days to pay whenever they want to. So it's not a set month. So it's not a set day on a particular month. So that means if he, if my ex decides to pay in the th first of the month and then decides the next month to pay on the 30th of the month, then by the time I get that um, child support check, because it comes from California, there is no direct deposit, I have to wait two to three weeks before I get a check in the mail. So that means if I can actually go up to anywhere from six weeks before I even receive a child support check. So he is paying you currently then? No. <laughs> no, okay. Well, he was paying for the, the three years that I had fought and, and basically got the child support for. He was been paying it until as of last month when he took me to court. And as of this month now being March, it has dropped down to $10 a month. So, so Nikki, I'm, 
I don't know. How did that happen? 10 bucks a month? Yeah, it's a, a it, because a according to California law, he has to legally pay something. So he's agreed to pay 10 because technically now it looks like I owe him money for back pay and because he filed court papers beginning of January saying he didn't make very much money in 2018. So therefore, he needs to actually reduce his child support. And last even night, though, if I may yeah, yeah, say, please. even though I have 100% of the time with the child, he has 0% of the time unless I bring the child to the California and allow my son to visit with him, that's the only way. It still doesn't make a difference. And you were telling me that you are not able to work right now. No, Can because... Can you explain that? Well, there's many reasons why. When I was doing pursuing the case to begin with, though, three years ago, I had to live on welfare, so I can't couldn't work. So I, even if I had a little part-time job or whatever, and he unfortunately hired a private eye to follow me around here in Canada to see whether or not I was working. Now that he claims that now he knows I'm a published author and I have my own business. What's your book, by the way? Sorry? What's the uh, book? Well, I have two books out, though. The one that I think is kind of pertaining to this case is um, a story called Single Mummy, and it's in the book called Ignite Your Inner Warrior from Creative Publishing Group. And the book, as of this month, is one-year anniversary, and it's quite ironic because in the book, I actually explain the whole love story and how it became tragic, but how I'm able to forgive. And now, Sally, here I am 12 months later, and it's opening old wounds and dealing with post-traumatic stress now instead. So it's very ironic. But because of this, though, he decided to now take me back to court because he claims that I'm making more money than he is, even though he's the one who's touring and I'm the one who's struggling trying to even pay rent right now. Wow. Can I say loser? <laughs> I That's I very polite. Loser. Very polite words to say. Okay. So tool, I think is the problem. Yeah, word, tool. A tool. All right. Leanne, how can a parent who's struggling financially develop a plan B, let's say? Um, well, I think it's it's difficult. Um, I mean, you need to save find a way to save some money. Um, and you know, in terms of a plan B, if you're if you're living on welfare, for example, like Nikki was, and you've got this ex who's not paying anything, um, save some money. That's tough. <laughs> it Especially is. nowadays. How it do you is. save money? Well, that's the thing. I think you're in a really difficult situation. I mean, I, the only plan B that I would suggest is just right at the beginning, you want to make sure you're very proactive and on top of, you know, getting a proper order or, you know, a, a separation agreement that's filed with the court or a court order. And if they, you know, don't pay once or twice, don't let it turn into six times, like be after them, you know, on the first default, if you can. And, you know, keep them on a short leash before it gets worse. Nikki. The only problem with that, though, is that, I mean, it's good if you actually have a way to, if you were married to the person or have a relationship, but if you're a single parent, it's very difficult. There is no separation agreement. And usually it falls onus on the mother that she has to do everything on her own. And when that ends up happening, you have no ways to predict how you're going to save money because all of a sudden it goes short. I mean, if I knew last month that I would be dropped down from what it was to $10 a month, I wouldn't be in this position if I knew. But you never know something like this is going to happen to you. And, and Nick, uh, sorry. Um, I just wanted to add, like, I can't comment on in the U.S., but in Ontario, even if you aren't married, you can still have something called a separation agreement or a parenting plan that's the same type of thing. So you can still have that with terms in it that can be enforced by the court. So it may be different in the U.S., but here it's, you don't have to be married to have that. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what a person who can't afford a lawyer, what can they do? on the Dating and Relationship Show. Don't go anywhere.
You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night. What a great conversation here. We're talking about dealing with a deadbeat ex with show regular Leanne Townsend. She's a family lawyer. She's also a divorce coach. I am. Yes, she is. And we have Nikki Monique. She's a mom that's struggling with um, a deadbeat ex. She's been struggling for many, many years now. She has a 14-year-old son. And I want to talk now about uh, what a person can do that can't afford a lawyer. Because, Nikki, you can't afford a lawyer. Nope, That's still one of the I issues, no. right? Yep, and the thing is because I can't afford it, even though I had to go back to court in California last month, I even tried asking, you know, social assistance from Ontario Works to help me. And because I have a car that I pay every two weeks for, technically I'm not in the category anymore for Ontario Works to take. And also, too, because I have a rent that's extremely high. I don't have a roommate. I've been looking for a roommate for six months. It's not possible for where I live far away from here, downtown Toronto. But it's uh, same thing, too. According to Ontario Works, I have too much expenses, and they can't help me out with it. So therefore, I'm not Ontario Works eligible for welfare at this moment. So it means I have no ways to go forward. I'm stuck. Ooh. It's it's similar with legal aid. Like, you know, some people, if they qualify for legal aid, they can get a lawyer who accepts legal aid. How do you qualify for legal aid? um, Well, there's certain guidelines that have to be met. Usually you're not working um, would be, you know, and you don't own a home. You don't own, you know, probably a car. I I don't, I'm not up on their latest criteria because I don't take legal aid cases. But um, there are some, you know, strict guidelines. And often there's a lot of people who fall through the cracks, unfortunately. Um, what, there's another couple options, though. Is one is um, that's what div- a divorce coach can sometimes help with. Is um, there are divorce coaches who are lawyers like myself who you can come and consult with them for a lower fee, and they can tell you what to do. So you have to go and do you know represent yourself in court, but you've had a lawyer give you advice on the steps that you need to take. Um, and a new development here in Ontario is paralegals are going to be getting into the area of family law. They weren't allowed to previously, but they've been approved. Um, I'm not totally certain. They're not going to be able to do everything, but that might open up another more cost-effective avenue for some people uh, to use a paralegal. And when do you know to get the courts involved? Well, as soon as they're not following an order, um, you know, or you know, some a term of an agreement, you should get the courts involved. Um, and if they're abusive, I mean, you should definitely keep them on a very short leash. Nikki, this question's for you. What healthy ways can women or mothers, uh, and especially abuse single mothers, gain the necessary help in order to deal with these stresses as they protect their children? Very good question, Laura. Um, the most important is to honestly start protecting and, and developing self-care routines for yourself, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, because you lose hope, you lose faith. And if you can regain that, though, first and most importance, you love yourself and understand that, you know, it's not you, it's this person, this narcissistic behavior from this person that once loved you, but loves themselves way more than you and your child, you have to start taking care of yourself or your children will suffer for it. And that led you into what you do today. That's correct. Tell us what you do today. Um, during the three-year journey, uh, obviously, that I had to go fight this case for the first time. I found myself that the only way I was going to survive, though, was to 
help myself mentally process it. So besides committing professional suicide, knowing that I would have to give up my career at that time, I was Montessori teacher, but give it up, then go on unemployment, then go on welfare, I had to keep my mind busy. So interesting enough, though, I still pursued actually training certifications for fitness. I became a Paloxing fitness instructor. I became a Zumba kids instructor. I was uh, studying as well and been certified as a Reiki practitioner. And I kept on doing things to stimulate my mind that would also feed my soul. And now come today. You practice hypnotherapy. Yes. Can you, can you hypnotize yourself? <laughs> Is that a stupid question? No, it's not stupid. And to be honest, I, that's how. Because I'd love to hypnotize myself sometimes. <laughs> you know why? It's funny because a lot of people think that, you know, if if this is so bad, why can't I just hypnotize my ex? It doesn't work. <laughs> Trust me, if it did, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. You can only hypnotize somebody that wants to be hypnotized to begin with. And if somebody is thinking they're always in control, they're not going to be eligible to allow themselves to they've gain tried this to hypnotize healing. me before but it, it was impossible my <laughs> mind wanders too much. <laughs> i'm the only one left on the stage going okay everyone's doing funny things and i'm standing here going am i supposed to be doing those funny things <laughs> hypnosis is the most if, easiest way to relax your subconscious mind though and it can really change and improve your behavior and yes self-hypnosis is if possible self-reiki i mean those are kind of the techniques i helped myself la- you know a couple years ago obviously to go through and now because this case is now came up and brought up old emotions now dealing with the uh, the post-traumatic stress i find myself meditating more I find myself journaling. I find myself working out, extremely important, and pursuing my mind once again. You know, by this year now, finishing my yoga therapy and becoming a certified yoga teacher for children and adults so I can be able to heal through that as well. So it's very important as single moms and and single dads too who actually are dealing with abusive partners. Right, we have to be politically correct. Yeah, and it's important mm-hmm. to take care of yourselves. I mean, I highly recommend that to any listener out there. If you feel lost and you feel depressed and you feel anxious, take a deep breath, three deep breaths, and just remember you're not going to be here in this position again, that things do get better and it will happen. Just keep having faith, keep, believe in yourself, and continue to love yourself and your child no it, matter what. Yes, and this goes for people coming out of a divorce as well. That's what I was just thinking Correct, as man? I was listening to Nikki. All of those tools are just great tools for anyone going through a divorce to use and, and anyone who's a parent even. We all need self-care mm-hmm. and some self-love and ways to relax. It's to be proactive. Proactive. And the thing is, I mean, I can, I'll admit this though, live on air that, you know, for those 10 years, it wasn't about me. I devoted my life to my son. I gave everything to my son. I sacrificed relationships. You know, I could have been married. I could have had other kids. I sacrificed my career. I could have been way more successful. And I didn't because I gave everything to my son. And do I regret it? No, because my son is a straight A student. And It's and never so too late to be successful, Nikki. <laughs> it's never too late. Exactly. So, Nikki, where can people find you? I know your business is called Nikki Monique Wellness Fitness. Where, where can they find you? Yeah. Yes, uh, I have a, a Facebook page. It's called literally Nikki Monique Wellness and Fitness Biz. So it's all one word. Uh, you can email me at Nikki Monique Fitness at yahoo.com. And I'm also on Instagram. I have a personal account and a business account. And again, Nikki Monique Wellness and Fitness Biz. And Leanne, where can they find you? Uh, my website, leannetownsend.ca, has all my contact details. I'm active on social media, Instagram, Leanne Townsend Life, Facebook, um, but my website has everything. My website, singleinthecity.ca. Check me out, Laura underscore Bellotta on Instagram. Also, you can check out the Dating and Relationship Show on Instagram as well. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Until next week, ciao for now.